Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to a brand spanking new episode of Colton Classic Podcast. This is the podcast where we bring you two films that are thematically linked, one mainstream and one cult, and talk about them both. This week, it is a double shot of famed French director Luc Besson. Uh, I am a big Luc Besson fan. Uh, I think probably his most famous movie here in the States is The Fifth Element, uh, which starred Mila Jovovich and uh, Bruce Willis. Uh, <clears throat> but we're tackling two of his other films, uh, a personal favorite, which could cause some controversy uh, out in the world, um, and that is Valerian. Um and the city of a thousand was the city of a thousand worlds, thousand planets. planets. Yeah, I always forget the the subtitle, but it's uh, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets from 2017. And then next week we'll talk about the lesser known film, at least here in the states, uh, Le Dernier Combat or The Last Battle. Uh, it is Luc Besson's first feature film. It is a very different movie, um, although I still feel like it's pretty Luc Besson, but it's a very different film than Valerian. Uh, I'm excited to talk about these because I think uh, on one hand, our, the first film which we'll talk about today, Valerian, is sort of, I think, misrepresented by the media and uh, when it when it hit theaters in 2017, and so it didn't get a lot of traction, and then this other film, uh, essentially, it was almost completely unknown in the States because it was not available in any form in the States for many years. Uh, and then eventually Canal did release it over here. It's just kind of crazy uh, because it essentially has no dialogue to subtitle. So here we go. Let's talk about Valerian 2017. I'm your host, Nate Wyckoff, film critic and comedian. And with me today, I have a full panel. Uh, we have Mandy Longley. How are you doing, Mandy? Oh, I'm good. I feel like I've had my last battle for the day. Last battle, putting the kiddo to bed. We always have to yes. have to so so many things to struggle with before we get to record. Yes. Uh, welcome. We also have Thank Jeff you. Tucker. How are you doing, Jeff? Oh, I am. I'm wonderful. Can't wait to uh, talk about French films with Tad. See if he has a small meltdown or not. Who knows? Yeah, we also have our resident French film lover, Tad Mastroni. How are you doing, Tad? I hate you. Yeah, Tad does not like French films as a whole. No, um, <laughs> there are there are occasional uh, breaks. There with are that exceptions tradition. to yes. the rule, like everything. Uh, I can safely say at least one of these was not one of those exceptions. 
Okay. Well, I'm interested to hear about that. I have a pretty strong guess about which one. Uh, so Valerian and the city of a thousand worlds. Now, uh, this actually, when this came out uh, in, in France, it was quite a big deal. Uh, it is a very large budget film. Uh, it is sort of Luc Besson's return to this kind of melting pot um, fantasy urban sprawling story that he also tackled in Fifth Element. Um, they're not necessarily in the same universe, uh, but the it has that same vibe in a way the very um we'll talk about this too but a heavy metal magazine kind of vibe you know there's um there's sexy there's space there's a million different things um very star wars cantina um meets star trek deep space nine vibes you know and so this is uh valerian is actually based off of a very very famous french comic series um called valerian and loreline now Laureline is the side character or in this movie. I actually feel like she's an equal main character. And so I think it's a little sad that they didn't give her title bill. Um, who knows why? I'm sure that marketing folks probably decided it was easier to have one name as the main title because nobody really thinks about this as Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. They think of it as Valerian, uh, myself included. But anyway, this... It doesn't feel like a comic book film, if that's what people are thinking. The comic it originates from is not a superhero film. It is a fantasy, excuse me, a science fiction uh, with fantasy element story. You can get them here in the States, not all of them, but many of them. They've been released since both uh, in digital format and print format as sort of like collected volumes. And this one, I think, is based off like the American volume six arc somewhere in there. Uh, I have read them. I do enjoy them. The art style is quite different, although they did try and make the characters give them like same hairstyle thing like that but i think that the the essence the ideas that inspired lupus on from the comics did make it to the movie i'm going to give you the real brief i always say this it's it's often not brief it's often like it's like plot by shotgun shell it's, it's uh, always a lie it's always a huge lie uh that's what we do here we lie uh valerian so the plot is is that there are these two sort of government space agents or space government agents uh valerian and laureline valerian uh once is sort of a space playboy he wants uh laureline to uh have sex with him and and supposedly be like his one and only and she's like you are a playboy and i'm not interested in that the all of a sudden while they're called in for a job, uh, some sort of psychic blast with visions from an alien world hits Valerian's brain. And uh, there's, I guess you could say spoilers. It's not really, it's not spoilers. There's no spoilers in this movie. There's no big reveal. You see it coming. It's not about that. It's about the action and the sights and, and, uh, and the action. So Valerian's got basically a space princess's uh, personality embedded in his brain somewhere sort of like search for spock kind of vibes um and she's trying to guide him uh, and by extension laureline to help the remnants of this small species that were um a big surprise fucked over by humanity uh there's lots of political overtones in the comics on this i think and satire and you can kind of see it here as well this alien race is very advanced and essentially they've moved on from wanting revenge for being mistreated they just want the technology uh that was theirs that the government is now trying to get their hands on and 
uh, Valerian and Laureline have, uh, they want that technology so they can then go make their own planet and be happy elsewhere. Um, of course, in the way is uh, Clive Owen, who is an evil uh, general. Those certainly don't exist in the real world, right? And <clears throat> he is uh, had basically a cover-up where he obliterated this planet, said it what didn't have any people on it, uh, but there were people. It were the people that are now trying to get a new home. So he's trying to cover it up. So he wants them all dead. And he's, of course, also Valerian and Laureline's boss. Wah, wah, wah. Anyway, it all ends up pretty well. Bad guy captured. Space um, refugees get a new planet. And Valerian and Laureline have some nice time together. This That description of this movie does nothing to explain the batshit set pieces and graphics on display here. Um, I am going to say this movie gives strong phantom menace vibes in the the grandeur and scale uh but also this is the movie that doubled down my dislike for james cameron's avatar because avatar i really did not gonna say like this is the avatar we deserved yes (laughs) it's not the avatar we got (laughs) <laughs> that is what played through my head. Of course, now we're all watching the, the, the trailer for the sequel, the long coming sequel of Avatar. And I don't really want to say anything negative about that. I do think James Cameron has made some great films. I mean, he's given us, you know, Terminator. I, I, Titanic was a beautiful film, a very strong melodrama. Um, he's given us some great things, which is why Avatar was so disappointing because the plot and the characters are so completely devoid of purpose. Yeah, it, it's, it's just really, really empty. Also, I will say this. It's not that the graphics were not good in Avatar, especially for the time. They were not creative to me. Um, I, As a video game player, we'd been seeing amazing cutscenes for quite some time, including designs that really already had been done and were put into Avatar. Uh, and anything new, I felt like, was not very impressive anyway. Whereas in Valerian... There are so many different things in Valerian. Um, There's something like over 200 different species on display at certain points in time uh, throughout the film. And Luc Besson pulled a total um, uh, George Lucas and apparently wrote a 600 page treatment just on the aliens for the designers and for himself. Um, So that is theoretically floating around out there. Uh, I'd like to see it actually. Things are really different. Not just that, there are some really cool conceptual ideas that sort of Jackie Chan their way into the fight scenes, right? And give us some really unique fight scenes. Um, And I'm gonna just throw out the first biggest, and I think still the best of the entire movie. It's kind of early on. It's the first big action scene we get um, uh, with Valerian and Lorelai, where they go to a market. um, And this market, has like uh it's a vr market in that the market itself is not in our dimension so in order to be present and and interact with that market in the other dimension you have to put on these visors and equipment and then it's like you're in a big bazaar but to everybody else who doesn't have that on they just see people wandering around in the desert uh it's like a silent rave okay it's it's a very interesting concept the best part about the concept though is all the tomfoolery they get into when valerian smuggles a gun in with this basically box that he has to put the gun and his hand in 
So it disappears into the other dimension and he can use it in the other dimension, but then it gets broken. So he can't get his hand back. So they have this, it's crazy. It's a really fun, um, impressive scene. We get John Goodman playing a big bulldoggy alien, which is always fun. Uh, a big question I get when I talk about my love for this movie, because it's clear that I do love it, is, is it all CGI? Not all of it, but yes, it is a heavily CGI film. Uh, it's It would be an impossibly expensive task otherwise. What's impressive to me, though, is that the level of the graphical detail, this is from 2017, it's not super old, we're only in the end of 2022, the graphics hold up in this movie extremely well. This really was and stands as one of the best looking movies with CGI I've ever seen. And part of that is because Lupuson's no stranger to it. Um, they brought in really great design talent. However, they also do have some physical pieces in here. Uh, and it really makes a difference. When you use the combination of both, that's when you can really exploit the, um, the cheapness of CGI with the uh, gorgeous, unique, like physicality, the realism of practical effects. I've, I've blathered on. I'm going to move on here. Uh, Jeff, I know that you liked this movie instantly like I did when you saw it. Uh, what was your experience watching it again this time? Um, well, I think I've watched it three or four times now. Um, a couple times I've, I've watched it just because the, the first time I watched it, I, I looked up reviews and they were pretty negative. Um, and uh, though I agreed with some of the things that they said, uh, like as a, as a like overall, like I, I felt like there was enough in this movie to propel it into um, like positive territory. Maybe not like, you know, uh, the greats or whatever, but like it's, it, it definitely is a fun film with a lot of really interesting things happening. Um, I think like having watched this now a couple of times and kind of trying to like figure out where, where people have missed. I think there's two things. One, the romance is terrible. Um, Agreed. So if you, if you actually look at Luke Besson as like a whole, he really doesn't do romance. Like his, his, his like most successful romance was probably from like fifth element where you have um like what is essentially a person whose brain is like that of a child for <laughs> the majority of their interactions i don't i don't know <laughs> if you can qualify that as an actual romance i mean it, 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 you, you can if you're Leonardo I'm, dicaprio i'm saying oh, this is his my. most successful and that's that's <laughs> i'm saying actually, the bar is so low <laughs> yeah i actually am gonna i'll disagree with you on that I, this is what i'll say i i agree with the sentiment of what you're saying um the actual probably the most successful of his um his his romances is in the big blue from 1988 and okay, that's because that the film. romance the romance <laughs> is actually between sort of the 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 film and the sea the ocean is the there love is. and that is very strong and and that actually makes sense because lupuson has a really interesting past film was actually his second love his first love uh, i believe was diving was was ocean diving um and as sometimes happens when you're a diver um he had i think it was the bends or some variation and damaged his lungs and basically they were like you can't do this anymore it will kill you 
Um, and so it was like an entire, it was a life-changing devastation, right? Like he couldn't do the thing he loved. And so film was sort of that like second life. Uh, and Big Blue is sort of the homage to that. And I think that's where you get the real passion in. But I think where you're right, what you're getting to is that Luc Besson is that romance is not his strong suit. I don't, I don't think he's capable in it. Um, you know, I love his movies, but like, you know, you got like, you know, uh, the transporter, you know, there's some romance between a, Kamikaze, you know, the transporter and like the woman that's trapped in his trunk. <laughs> it's just, it's just <laughs> like, it, it's all, you know, Natalie Portman as a 12 year old, it's all very sketchy and it's probably just best not to look at it. And <laughs> I would just, honestly say that, um, Luke Besson doesn't do people very well. If you want well, to look it out further, I, he does I broken people really well. He yeah. does broken people. Like you look at, I mean, his most famous films is Leon the Professional with Jean Reno and Nikita, right? Films about about hardened, damaged, separated from um, emotion killers, yeah. and 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 so and I think that that's sort of one of those things that it plays into this, right? Like when he does characters that aren't supposed to be so so damaged as to be anti as to be like true anti-socials um we get into sort of mm, tv quality uh yeah. and back to jeff here well i would even say like in the second film like i mean it's not a romance but like the connection between the um you know like two of our characters i think it's pretty good like i think he does that pretty well like the there's you know some uh you know I don't know, camaraderie or like some love developing there, just like, you know, friendship. Um, but uh, so I think he, do, I think he does do uh, interactions between people. Um, okay. I think just like romance, I, he, I, he just, there's something about uh, his choices in that, that are not good. Um, so I, I don't think it's written well, but I also think that the, um, I think especially Dane DeHaan, like, he he literally sounds like he's like reading like a menu oh, or no. something. It's oh, like no. literally like just he, off. He the... was an interesting choice. I don't dislike him, but I haven't seen him just... enough to make an opinion yeah. myself. But he... in this, I don't think his uh, the well, there was like my thunder, Jeff. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and Cara Delavinia is 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 Laureline, who I I love her. I think she's amazing. And I have to say, what's incredibly strange to me is how much like siblings they look in this film. Mm. They look to me, they look incredibly similar, like genetically. Yeah. And that to me was a weird choice. Interesting. Yeah, I, I guess I guess I can see that they have like similar similar. Props eyes. that they're the right age range though, and that she's not with fucking Bruce Willis, which would have been if it was a straight up American production, we would have gotten yeah. you know Bruce Willis with um the you know Nessie the baby from uh, Twilight, right? Like that's that's the trend we're on. Anyway, continue. So okay, so then so romance wasn't very good. Uh, probably other people are gonna comment on it. Uh, we could we could probably do a whole show on it. Uh, the thing I think that really killed this film was so there was this great like actually my the, the reason I love this film was because right off the bat there's just this great like vignette of just like the creation of uh, the city of a thousand planets where it's mm -hmm. it, it basically goes from like um like international you know, continuation of like U.S. and uh like russian relations and like space racy stuff um in, 
and it goes like all these aliens start yeah, we showing got like a up 10 minutes 10 minute it's it's pretty long kind of montage yeah it's nice it's a nice little mm-hmm. um a nice little opening and then you know eventually the, the it's too big and they have to ship it off into the unknown um so like that was really good and then yeah, like beautiful. immediately after they you know launched this uh city of a thousand planets which has like just you know tons of aliens is gonna have tons more um when we return to it we go to this planet and here's here's the the thing is i love cg and it's made movies great but it's it's so dangerous because i i think this is where people got lost because there's actually it's actually kind of like a little charming little um again silent you know you go from like one like little mini silent film to another we get a very brief film. cameo of Richter Hauer as like the space president in the past or the earth president going we're blasting it off into space basically and that's yeah so that's, that's it. the but only then, dialogue then we go we back have. to yeah. then we go back to no dialogue um and it's, it's really charming but because it's all cg um i think it, it it fails to connect with the audience and this is really important this is actually the most important part of the film um this is like this is like the thing that's supposed to set you up and make you care what happens next, right? Like it's, you know, like in the beginning of your murder mystery, you find, uh, you meet a character and then they die and then you want to know why they died uh, and it drives you, you, you care, right? Like, and so it you drives you to like the, through the mystery. Uh, in this case, I, I think because they're CG, I, I feel like if we had like gotten a fifth element, like Pava uh, Laguna, uh, you know, just like a person with, you know, blue makeup instead of the fully CGI characters, I think people would have connected better. And I, I think that this is where they just don't connect with the scene. So they don't care what happens. They don't like when, when the little creature shows up and the, the, these, uh, these people show up, they're like, eh, you know, I'm more interested in the action. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm not, I'm not invested in, the story of i think of- it might even be deeper um it, you're i because we've talked about this off off pod before and i yeah. think you're right to an extent first off the graphics i think are some they're of the best great. i've ever seen they're, they're beautiful um, and and i love the design and the concepts but i think you you could be right and what makes me think that it's even more than like they're not connecting they're actually repulsed a bit is Maybe. internally is um when uh the when square Square Software, who makes Final Fantasy, Tad's giving me the pointing finger of knowing. When they did, they created a very brief but uh, very influential um, production studio to make the most advanced 3D film at the time, which was Final Fantasy: The Spirits Within, which was a science fiction story. Um, I, it's it, you know, certain elements. Certainly, it looks dated now, um, but quite beautiful. I actually thought it was quite a beautiful film, but it was railed by. Um, the American press, uh, particularly, well, Tad is one of those people who wanted a Final Fantasy movie that was actually a fantasy instead of a science fiction film. Yes, uh, but yes, but what, but here's the thing: um, <laughs> what most upset a lot of people, including the uh, writers uh, who did the worst of the year list at Entertainment, uh, not a real magazine, um, in my opinion. Um, but if you do want an article from me, I'm happy to I'm happy to submit. Uh, <clears throat> What they, a yeah, for, oh, absolutely. They said <laughs> they they found it deeply disturbing 
that there is a a kiss between two 3D rendered characters that are supposed mm. to be realistic. And really? that, yes. And so I think okay. it's, Tad and I have talked <laughs> about this part too. It could be sort of an uncanny valley element when things are too real, but we know that they're not real. Some cues that we cannot put our fingers on, um, micro reject movements, it. things like that. Right. Um, we, reject we reject it. it. And, mm. and that is that, which is funny because when things are, very clearly not real like a 2d animated film like i don't know why i've been thinking about it lately uh it's probably because i need to rewatch uh disney's lilo and stitch it's primarily a 2d animated film <laughs> adorable people cry in the theater they love it and i love it and the characters have real like love and connection and it's beautiful um that doesn't affect people the way that something that is supposed to look real and gets very close mm. does yeah. Um, and it's 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 it really has to be perfect, which is impossible at this point in time and probably ever. Um, and uh, here's another example. Um, in the last year or two, we've been starting to see, at least here in California, these television ads for the face of hunger. Um, I mean, it's a great intent, right? They have basically a 3D amalgamate face of a bunch of different kids faces uh and and it and it speaks to you and says like what does hunger look like and basically it's to try and get um people to be aware that there is starvation in this country uh you know america hey guys we're not doing so well world um and but the problem is for me i hit that moment where it's really gross to me it does not look right. It's like if you were to see, it's like when um, people, and I'm only going to say this word once, you're not supposed to say it. It's, it's when you, when people uh, say they see a skinwalker, uh, the, the Native American creature the, who, who eat, sometimes they say it once was human, whatever, but they're dangerous, right? Uh, and they either take the form of animals or people, uh, they, but they don't look or act correct. The something gives it away if you're paying attention and it is truly the most terrifying thing. That's the, that's that uncanny Valley syndrome that we get when we see 3d animated creatures that are not real, but look sort of real. And we repel it because it's, it's probably a fear preservation it is, it tactic. Is, it's written into our DNA, but also Nate, don't forget that square at the time they put that movie out, they actually intended for the model of Aki Ross, the main character, they wanted her to be a digital actress. And that is like one of the most offensive things I could possibly think of in my mind when it comes to cinema is the idea that you can essentially create a human that will star in films going forward. Like what the fuck were you thinking? Uh, what they were thinking is 30 years in advance because we're getting that sort of crap now. Um, yeah, we, we're, getting, know, we're, we're, we're resurrecting the dead is what we're doing right now. Sure. And that's just as well, and I mean, potentially I, I forget, I forget it was it, it wasn't Geffen I don't think but it was some uh, music in music publisher recently severed hives with the studio's 3D created uh, hip hop artist because uh, they decided it was uh, the public decided like hey this has got racist overtones uh, whether intentional or not but that's the idea right this is not a real person but we get other projects that do it and do it quite well, but they do it sort of with a tongue in cheek vibe, right? And when that happens, we're not so upset. Like the gorillas, um, Damien uh, Albarn's uh, uh, and Jamie Hew artist Jamie Hewlett's um, fictional band, right? The members can change because they're animated characters who pretend like they are 
they are in the a, real world. There's a distinct separation that everyone can right. see. Right. Um, uh, so, so yeah, interesting. And I, I, I think you're onto something, Jeff. I do want to say. Well, I, I just want one more point sure, to that. Sure. So I, I, I agree with the kind of, uncount, there is kind of like an uncanny valley element there. I think it's more that there's like, if this was like fully animated, I think it, it may have been able to pull it off, but like we see like actual people like right before this. Um, and I, I think that there's something like, and, and I had this problem a little bit with the, the um, like the Hobbit versus like the Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings is, is almost like a masterclass in how to do this type of filming. Cause like almost everything that had like a CGI moment had a close up of people in real costumes, like, you know, orcs in actual like makeup and like moving around and like, it looks real. And then they do the, the back shot and then, and then they do like CG. So they, they're constantly kind of tr transitioning between these with, with this case, it's, you know, obviously the, the aliens that we're talking about are pure CG, but like you, you, they, they don't do anything to like try and create that illusion in the mind that um, try and kind of trick us. They're, they're not no real beach films. And then, like showing the the aliens. Yeah, it's not the Lion like, King. Re it's not the Lion anything. King remake, which they it's call live of, action, even though there's no live action. It's kind of like how yeah. in the beginning of the film, you can instantly tell that the beach they're on is fake. Like you know, it's a backdrop. You can tell instantly. And I don't know if that was on purpose. I'm pretty sure it was. It, it must have been because it's really flat. Like, it's it's intentionally real. unrealistic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But you um, know. Yeah. Right, sure. And I think I think you're right. Um, and it's interesting. I, I'm not saying Luc Besson did this intentionally. In fact, I have a feeling Luc Besson might have really enjoyed Avatar. Um, uh, mm. Because he's probably, because I don't think he's as concerned with the interpersonal elements of, of a story. Um, interactions, I should not elements, interactions. Because I actually think Luc Besson is quite brilliant at getting emotions and 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 um moods across as you said in the first two the first 20 minutes of the film that are dialogueless have um a a a plethora it has a basically it tells us an entire future history uh to be done of humanity brilliantly and then it gives us this um what i like to call uh avatar better than avatar in 10 minutes story about a, a, a peaceful race that has all their shit together being um, uh, obliterated and mistreated by humanity. Um, and it's sort of like how people said, just as an aside, when Up came out, Pixar's Up, and the beginning is like a montage showing how these two childhood friends fell in love and grew old and then she passed away. How people were like tweeting like, uh, hey, Up, uh, you did a better love story in 10 minutes than Twilight did in five movies or whatever. <laughs> like it's, it's true. That's what I felt about this. Um, that, that scene with the beach uh, did a better uh, tragic, ab you know, story of, of um, Aboriginal mistreatment uh, did a better story of that in 10 minutes than Avatar did in three hours. Um, so I, I completely agree with that, but I think what's great about those, that first 20 minutes it really does show Lupasons, and you kind of said this, Jeff. It shows his strengths, right? Yeah, he is so good at giving us these big picture and emotional moments through his world building. Yeah, uh, and he doesn't have to do it with dialogue. And as you suggested, 
I also agree. The dialogue is the absolute worst part of this movie. Not that all of it's terrible, but I, I, the parts I think between, some of it's pretty good. But yes, yeah, it, but it's between very Valerian, yes, agreed. Yeah. And b- between Valerian and Loreline, it is the worst. Um, and yeah. that having the scene, that setup of them, which you kind of need to get their dynamic right away, uh, or at least for ease anyway, it is, it is really aggressively halting any the power that we've gotten from the first 20 minutes because it's real bad um and uh you know i'm hey i'm never upset at at cara delavine in a bikini so fine do do your opening you know hollow beach scene um and that's cool but again weird abrupt thing to have them jump in there and i i love i loved hearing your feedback on yeah i agree like so like i love the first uh you know like 20 minutes like it works for me but like i i get why it kind of works doesn't work for other people uh but i agree like the almost immediately you get into this romance and it's kind of the for for me like that's where the parts that i don't like kind of start to show up um um but it doesn't it never it never ruins the film for me because I've watched a bunch of Lucas it's, on It's films, also so not like, necessary. Like it, yeah, it's such a exactly. side element. <laughs> it's it's pretty meaningless, yeah, in the scheme of things. It's not um you know, like we're we're not here for the romance, we're here for the science fiction. So yeah. like It's not the plot. It's however not like the 50s movie. You know like a 50s science fiction movie and and still do it today, but we're we're slowly changing the trend, but it's always like there always has to be a romance. You're always introduced to the hero and then the woman he's going to fall in love with or that's going to fall in love with him, you're introduced, like, the next woman that shows up, oh, yes, that's her, right? Yeah. You always get that. That is, it has this element. And I, I see the, the problem with it is that it feels forced. Um, the other problem with getting rid of it is that it's such an element with the original story, which it's clear Bassan has a passion for, as do many people across the world. Um, so, but it could have been handled so much better because we get a great romance in that scene on the beach with the aliens it's mm. heartbreaking um we get this this you know beautiful alien feminine looking alien um with that this clearly has like a connection with a younger celebrated alien he has like a, a sort of a headdress kind of or different garments or whatever and she gets locked out of the hall during this essentially explosions that are taking place on the surface and they watch her die through the portals the 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 porthole of the vehicle it's it's heartbreaking um yeah. and it's and and that is you know a a good representation of love and loss and so we get that it's when the characters have to talk that it breaks down um and i also wonder too i mean lupuson is fluent uh in english but i do wonder what it would be like to experience his films um that are that are fully in french in french French. um it may be that you know nuance is is the hardest thing to do in another language um so we're sort of you know it's it's it could be picking on someone when they're you know they're in an impossible they they also have different sensibilities and like different like yeah like the whole concept of romance and stuff is different in every country so you know it's a little bit hard to like you know completely beat him up on I, I you know, and by the way, we have French listeners. Hi, uh, in France, I, I I check the numbers. I'm always happy to see people all over the world listening. Hi, if you if you have if you have any insights for us, feel free to write in because I certainly have none. I have actually never yeah. been to France, um, but I 
I'm a, I'm a lover of French cinema, uh, even though sometimes I get stabbed in the heart and stabbed in the back by it, which we'll talk about. But okay, great overview of the film so far. Uh, agree on all points. Mandy, uh, had you seen this movie before? And uh, regardless, what is your take having seen it this time? I had seen it before because Jeff had me watch it with him one time. Did we? It might have been the first time or the second time. Yeah, we did. I definitely I remember that. It was like a long time ago, probably close to when it came out, either on streaming or you got a copy from somewhere. I don't think we saw it in theaters. I'm pretty sure Mm. we watched it at home, but I definitely watched it with you, and you were really excited about seeing like all like the Thousand Worlds, like Mm. the back. Basically, I remember you talking about wanting to see all the background, like set design and stuff. Um, and like the alien, like, is, are you sure that was me? It. <laughs> it, was. it was absolutely you. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna say this, yeah. Jeff. Your your recollection of your own personal yeah. experiences is not the same. I know it's not fair. Like I don't get to like but, argue with anybody about this shit. Anymore. But I don't. It could have been the second time you watched it. Like you're like, I want to watch it again so I can catch the stuff that was in the background because like you saw. I don't know. Like you saw mm. it once before. It could have been the second time that you had seen it, but you were saying like. You know, like I watch it with you, um, because you said it was good. Uh, that being said, so this is the second time I've watched it. I only remembered like maybe ten to fifteen minutes of the whole film, and I was actually surprised at which ten to fifteen minutes it was, because like on this rewatch, I was like, damn, like that part's really cool, and that part's really cool, and that's part girl. I don't remember them at all. I have no recollection of seeing that part, like the um, the hors d'oeuvre hat that they like the right that they put her in i'm like how did yes. i not remember this from the first time that is hilarious can we yeah can we talk like... about that scene for a minute so <laughs> the scene is is that cara delavine laureline is uh is is captured by these uh she's trying to get in but she's captured by this race of of aliens that sort of like have a really they look like rutabagas like they have a really chunky purplish body and then they have these little pinheads um yeah. with oh, these we, these they caught her by eyes. like these there's these, like this weird corridor with like butterflies and she mm-hmm. like touches a butterfly and valerian's like don't touch the butterflies and she's like why <laughs> And then all of a sudden she gets like yoinked out, out up into the sky. Yeah. They're yeah. angling they're like, for fishing. other species. Yeah. yeah. They're fishing for other like species. They eat them. Super secretive section. Like they don't let you in unless you're one yeah, of them. It's, so, yeah. This giant like, space station is popular anyway, with lots of different species and she can't get in. So they, they catch like, her and bring her in. They kidnap her. They bring her in. And then she thinks they're giving her some kind of wardrobe makeover because they don't understand her language and they're just like giving her clothes well they kind of are (laughs) and they are and they they're dressing her for dinner um because she is dinner but they give her this amazing hat and she's like i think the hat's too much and then like they put the hat on her head and she like walks in like carrying a plate of food but it's like garnish like it's like the lemons that you would squeeze onto your oysters like and they squeeze it under her head and she's like this is weird the hat is one of those wide giant yeah, it's a wide giant brim hat that's open on the top where her head is. And so it's like one of those like horrifying monkey bowls, you know, where people eat monkey yeah. brains where the head would be sticking out from the top. So you don't have to look at the face of the monkey while you eat the brains. Um, she still doesn't get it until they bring out the utensil that is like clearly meant to right. come top of her head off. Isn't it? But I was just like, how did I not remember that part? And there's like, so there's like quite a few parts that are kind of like that, obviously not along those same exact lines, but like, like just visually like great or like they tickle your funny bone like or you know they I don't know like it's just 
I couldn't believe that I only remembered like 10 or 15 minutes of this movie from the first time <laughs> I watched it. There's a lot in here, though. You know? Like, yeah, there's so like, but much it just, in like, it. Yeah. So anyway, but then I was like, I'm not sure. Like, I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen this film. And then I didn't remember the space station part at all, which was very cool. And then I remembered the CGI part that we talked about a lot. And um, my take on that just really quickly is like, I think like apart from it sort of being uncanny valley, like I think like their life is like so perfect and unattainable and like on like we, we can't empathize with it kind of at all as mm. human in the planet that we live in. And I think people kind of like Not until it blows oh, up, yeah. you know, like, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> we blew them up. Right. Like, perfect little bastards like they're in great you know, balance with their space and they're you know? living a very meager and simple life right like <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know maybe that was we couldn't possibly part, connect with that maybe that's part of why people didn't care yeah. or like for not um in any way emotionally attached to that section of the film um i agree that they did a really good job with her and i think it was her father like on the other side of the window but they all look the same age because they're like immortal. I but. it's hard. To, I I think there I, there was another one because yeah. And There's one thing that in I, the water that she kind of like had a moment no, with. That's right, nodded at. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it was at the window. It, I think it was her father, and then her mother. It's, was it's hard to tell because, as is probably realistic, with an alien species, we're probably going to think they look alike. I mean, they unless they are same. radically different colors, you know, and they're going to do the same thing with us. It seems to be. No, um, you're just humans meat bags well, whatever we're just bags anyway, of water. i liked um, it i liked that the um the plot was very fairly simple and like direct and kind of on a track like i thought that worked really well because there was so much else going on around you the whole time mm-hmm. that having twists and turns and stuff you had to figure out like i don't think would have really served this film very well um so like it, i i appreciated that that it was just like the opposite of what you said like the phantom menace like where there's also a lot kind of going on all around you there is not a single senate meeting in this movie (laughs) but like the plot is like super convoluted and you've never figure out like that's not well actually that's not true that's not true to have a meeting but it doesn't it doesn't succeed though they did have a senate there was a gathering of people and they were going to start talking it was a it was a u.n meeting that was going to come out with a non-binding resolution um yeah no it, it, there there is a vote of no numbers. confidence may have no been no our but we were saved from the senate meeting though you guys are, right are, it was sort of like direct, go. Bye. Anyway. Like a direct statement about phantom menace here's the politics whoop no no po- everyone literally everybody's first frozen and cocoon everyone in goo and carry off a character that's how they that's literally how they treated that they're like they're like oh don't worry you're not gonna have this it's gonna we're gonna we're gonna yeah um we'll take care of it but yeah but i just um the i you know i thought that the plot being very direct and on rails like served this movie well with everything that was going on um all around it for like the visuals and the complex world building uh was good uh and we don't really see valerian change very much in this film although i feel like they want you to think that he's had a big change by the end um and i'm like that's okay and like you can clearly tell at the end is set up for it being possibly a series or to get you to maybe go buy the comic books to find out what happens to these two characters later on and that also feels fine if it feels like a nice complete first chapter of a story um 
you know, that could move on or not. So I don't know. Overall, I was happy with it watching it again the second time. Well, you nailed it. Um, yeah. as far as a multiple story, Luc Besson has already written yeah. part two and I believe part three. And I, it's one of those things where this is the kind of movie it's so cost prohibitive because it is so massive in scale that I, I hope we do see part two. It is not Luc Besson is not someone who has been known to shelve a project and never return to it. Um, for example, uh, uh, Arthur and the Invisibles, his his partial 3D animated kids feature, which I personally really enjoyed. Um, he he did two sequels that came out theatrically elsewhere in the world and not here, and they just came direct to video here. Because um, he's like, I want to do the other, I want to do the more stories from this, and he did. So it's not, it's it's not. Yeah. Uh, he also wrote a like a sequel to like Leon. Yes. Uh, which eventually he did with, uh, uh, I believe it was Columbiana, maybe? Is that the one that he eventually yes. like reworked the script? It was no longer um, Natalie Portman's character, but uh, just a completely it's, different character. Yeah, was Zoe, it's Zoe Saldana. And actually, he's no. Columbia 2 is in pre-production. I mean, that's been many years. So this is not, he does this. And I appreciate it because as someone with extreme ADHD, it is really nice to to see someone who can have so many irons in the fire and return and and really does passion projects at this point in his life um if you were to look at if you don't know luke Besson's name at this point if you were to look at his body of work he has written directed produced and done the story for so many films that have that we know in the united states um most of them uh you know many of them being action films uh, of course the transport with jason statham is probably one of the most well-known um but that that throws me to another thing that i really liked about this movie it's it's been a you know it's one of those like passion projects for him uh sort of a bucket list like opus film for him and and it that's kind of why it saddens me that i don't think it's gotten the credit here that i do think it deserves um but it, it ties into that opening scene the very first one where we see the space station's origins and then like people coming together of di from different places and then aliens coming to meet the people and all these things those people in those scenes are filmmakers that he has worked with um he brought people in um, Louis, Louis Lettier from uh, Transporter, Oliver Megaton from other films, including Transporter uh, 3, etc. So it was really cool because he brought in those people that he likes, that he works with. He's he's apparently very good at fostering talent, which is really, really awesome to see. Um, we so often hear, especially here in the U.S., of... Um, of of people like uh, the human dumpster fire that is Harvey Weinstein uh, actively ruining people's lives uh, for his own ends. So it's nice to see when people give other people a shot, you know, and we get that from filmmakers we love and we we hear about it from filmmakers we love like Kevin Smith bringing people back again and again um, and, and working with them in different ways. And uh, 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 Quentin Tarantino, Robert Rodriguez, you know, Quentin Tarantino dropped his um, Directors Guild uh, membership, lost it because he refused to not co-direct a movie, which you weren't allowed to do, with Robert Rodriguez. And Robert Rodriguez did the same thing to do it with Frank Miller for Sin City. So, like, it's really cool when we see people 
sort of we just see love and fostering of of skill and friendship and giving opportunities in film i mean these are really high level films that that's happening um but it happens all the time in indie features which is one of the way, reasons why i love indie features here i, so, I would argue all those people you mentioned are also very good at finding talent like a lot of people sure. that are in their films are like the first time we saw those people or not necessarily the first time but like that was their big break um sure. I, yeah i think they're they're good talents like which well, is, i mean yeah, which was strange for me in this particular case because uh, I, I, you know, I didn't love the casting which, of a couple people. It was... Well, so it's interesting, and I, I will say, um, prepare. You know, I, I also was not in love with the delivery. I thought physicality-wise, Dane DeHaan was a good choice. Um, I think he and Kara are really physically matched, right? Like, which is something that a lot of, I mean, in the U.S., I just can't stress enough how I feel like he would be much older and he would be 10 feet taller than her. Mm. Um, and instead they cast people that were the same size, which doesn't happen. And even in the comic books, he is a much larger character who does look older than her. And so I really liked that. We didn't get that here. Um, yeah. I, I will also just say, um, I do think he's done other work that's good and watch for him. He's in Oppenheimer, uh, the new biopic about uh, one of the creators of the atomic bomb. That is Christopher Nolan's, uh, next project which is coming out next year featuring the amazing Cillian Murphy as Oppenheimer so uh, you'll see him again uh, I, I want to talk about the cast quick here before we move to Tad uh, the cast is pretty awesome overall we I already mentioned of course Dane DeHane and, and Cara Delevingne uh, we also get Clive Owen who does not get enough love here in the u.s fantastic uh, he plays a villain not i think the biggest role we only get him a little bit um we have ethan hawk playing jolly the pimp uh this is where he gets to be his ethan hockeyist which you know i do think ethan hawk as he gets older is kind of slowly gunning for nicholas cage's mantle which is weird because i think they're like the same age or pretty close um but i do think he's gunning for that uh, and 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 he does get these like wilder and weirder characters. Uh, he seems to have fun with them. I think in this he was just playing dress up as uh, um, uh, why am I blanking on the name? He's playing dress up as like a mix of Steven Tyler and Johnny Depp. He's just got lots of bracelets, tinted glasses, and a wonky hat. I was gonna um, say Tiger King. Tiger King, right? Yeah, he could do certainly. <laughs> he could certainly have done Tiger King. Although James Michael Cameron did a great job. So. Uh, we get him as Jolly the Pimp, and as his uh, his his uh, hoe, we get Rihanna. Uh, I believe this was her first acting gig, uh, but she might have been in some others. I know, of course, unfortunately, her big her big moment was supposed to be uh, Battleship, which is no one's big moment. Um, mm. But she did an interesting role. I actually really liked. I th actually, I don't even say I really like because it was what we expected. It's a cameo role. Uh, but I thought she actually did a really nice job in a very small role um, for it's always hard for someone who's a performer in a different right to step in because everybody's judging, you know, I mean, um, mm. I think what Gwen Stefani in The Aviator, right? Am I making that up? I'm pretty sure that was her. Um, you know, Pink has done everybody's done it, right? But you always nobody expects you to do well. <laughs> So when you actually do it legitimately, like you clearly put the work in to just be an actor at that point, rather than just a cameo, it's nice. And she basically is a shapeshifter who helps um, Valerian sneak into the um, the the people eater group to save uh, Loreline. But she does 
this like sexy CGI assisted stripper pole routine, uh, a pole dance where, which is quite fun, which sort of gives you like every era of Rihanna's musical career. And by the way, guys, it's actually Rihanna. It's not Rihanna. Um, she's given up correcting people apparently but if you watch interviews you'll catch a lot of times when she's like it's rihanna and they're like uh-huh so anyway rihanna yeah so it's rihanna uh but she does this this routine it's fun and then we see her true form as like a blobby sort of a blue um like mouthwash ca featured character just like a big blob of liquid and i liked that for the rest of the move or for the rest of her roles a lot of her roles including spoiler alert her death scene she's the goo um because it, it's it would have been much more marketable for a lot of people to have this beautiful um uh, uh you know songstress be the character 99 percent of the time and lupasan said yeah but she's goo though <laughs> like she's goo um so she's gonna be goo and and, it, and I loved that. And I really appreciated that. And it kind of gave her a chance to do voice acting work and show, oh, no, she is actually acting because there is a difference between saying your lines, Dane DeHane, and acting. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so I, I really appreciated that. I also want to say we had Herbie Hancock as the defense minister. We only ever really see him on a screen, but it was nice to see him there. Um, and we already talked about Rooker Howard getting a very brief true cameo just a cameo in front of a green screen and uh we also sam sproul who uh, he's really great um uh, he plays sort of the 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 guy on the inside of the government that starts to tear apart the cover-up um he's been in, he was in snow white and the huntsman uh legend that dual role um tom hardy movie uh about real life gangsters but he's really great and it's so funny though because i can't he has gravitas. He has, you know, an English accent, but what, or a British accent, but what gets me every time is that depending on how the camera hits him, he, I, I always think, oh, it's English Nick Swarsden. That's who he looks like. English Nick Swarsden, uh, who, if you guys don't know who Nick Swarsden is, he's a very funny comedian. Um, he played the, uh, the gay roller skater in uh, Reno 911 uh, for, for many moons. Uh, that that might be his most well-known role, but he he has very similar features, and it throws me off every time because Sproul is a very serious, accomplished actor. Tad, I don't believe you had seen this before. What is your take now that you have seen Valerian twenty seventeen? I only knew that the movie didn't do well, which, you know, a movie only does well because of how much money it makes and not how good it is. Let's right. face it. It's sure. um, what our podcast I, is built on. <laughs> I'm going to say, state this right out. I don't actually consider this a French film. And that is partially due to the fact that apparently a lot of the money coming into this was Chinese because there is a lot of Chinese money that was pumped into this. Um, mm. it's, it's, it's touted as the most expensive independent film ever made. And I'm like, but if you have the backing of a major studio with millions of dollars behind it, are you truly an independent film? I guess that's... It's always the argument. It's not is, a big... It's not from the big studios. It's right. backed by yeah. large it's corporations. So, so in other words, if you have a lot of money, but you're not backed by the establishment, you're independent, right? Well, mm. uh, depends. Um, objective, nonetheless, not my point. Uh, Nate, what is with Dane DeHaan? Why does he always look sick? Why does he always look like he's got some sort of illness? 
Like he's very pale. Well, I mean, as a very pale I, person, I take offense to this. <laughs> something and like I don't know what it is. They both like I I think Cara Delevingne is a beautiful woman, but she always looks fucking angry, and he looks always fucking angry. Why are they so mad? Well, I think first off, I I do think it's the brow <laughs> structure. They have a very similar brow structure that makes them look very intense all the time. Like they're are you telling they're, me to smile? I, I think yeah, I think Tad is telling her to yes, smile. I think I'm telling them to both smile once in a while. Well, okay. I think, I'm equal, I think, though, equally I think telling Nate's them to right. both it smile. Is, it does come from the brow, so I don't yeah, think sure. he's suggesting she smiles, but like maybe modify the location of her oh. brows now, somehow. Keep, oh, now her, keep in mind, her eyebrows were amazing. Now keep in mind, I'm talking we'll about Dane. I'm talking about Dane right now. Okay. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Um, because I. Don't know. I my expert, my first exposure to Dane DeHaan was fucking Spider-Man Two, which is one of the single worst movies I think has ever been yeah. made. He, he plays Harry Osborn, the Green Goblin, the worst that, yes. Harry that has ever existed. This I would, and I would argue that worst. I don't know that it's his fault. Uh, that movie had lots of problems, but okay. No, we'll no, no, no. On. He was just he was just on top of that. Now this <laughs> this so that was not my best exposure to Dane DeHaan as an actor. And then I watch this and I go, this is still not showing me anything that that he's particularly yeah. talented. What he did show me is that he can look intense, he can say lines, and he can sound like Keanu Reeves. None of those things exactly seem to be fantastic actor. Now, by the end of the movie, I still went, yeah, um, he's trying to be, uh, well, it's almost like he was written to be a Han Solo character without the charisma, and they succeeded wildly. But um, yeah, yeah. I think if you guys want to, see, listeners, if you if you want to see probably what what I might call from what I've seen, uh, Dane DeHaan's best, probably he plays Jim Dooley in the Stephen King adaptation of the uh, or the miniseries adaptation of the Stephen King book Lizzie's Story. Um, so give that a watch. Uh, I as far as as far as their similar appearance, which I commented on before, I, I do think they're they're this is this is an overgeneralization, but from from american cinema from a american cinema viewpoint they both look very european and specifically very french i feel like they both look what we think of as, as french um french canadian like just very european bone structure so uh and and not not swedish right like as you go down it gets they have very delicate features um and they didn't really do anything to help Dane's like um look that he's always tired in this and I'm not saying this is not a dig I think he's a very handsome guy I, I'm just saying he does have as I do deep set eyes and you end up getting a shadow that looks like bags they could have done more to, to minimize that it makes him look tired and maybe a little irritable um he also is kind of irritable like he's sort of like Sterling Archer um H. John <laughs> Benjamin's character from Archer like he's he just he he does it whatever he wants the way he wants without any preparation and it always works out um i feel like when you you said he's supposed to be a han solo but he not he's not likable i think you kind of nailed one of the problems which is caused by the fact that the story this isn't the introduction from like the comics to valerian this right. is like you know he it's like there's in the so many characters story sure and and i i appreciate that because i'm one of those people and i think you're similar i'm sick and tired of origin stories I love comics, but superhero movies have burned me out on origin stories. I don't need it, which is one of the reasons why I loved uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Uh, don't 
which don't get tad started because he's blah, 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 not going to watch it because blah, blah, blah. But that's the point. You didn't have to get introduced to these characters from their origins. I don't even know what half their origins are. Like, I guess you get a little bit, but it doesn't matter. I don't watch them over and over again. You know, they're not going to reboot it for me. Um, so I liked starting this sort of in media res, but at the same time, that means we get a lot of many characters, um, which I like. I love that we get a lot of Lorelai's character. Um, we get equal parts, if not more, actually, screen time than than Valerian. But it cuts down on the fact that we don't get to know him very much. Most of his screen time is action. So it leads to sort of a, an emptier feeling of his character. Again, kind of like Mandy said, I don't really think it affects the story at all or the enjoyment because shit's happening all the time. There is just never a time when there is not something to look at in this and movie. That's part of my problem is the first half of the movie was a slog for me because it felt like they were, this movie is, um, despite the fact, I believe that Luke Besson probably wrote this like two extra parts to this. The problem is, is that this movie feels like it was filmed like he knew it wasn't going to last past this one. Like mm. there's so much stuff crammed in. The first hour feels like a two hour film. And then when it finally slows down and gives you time to actually get to know the characters, that's when it got good. Like as soon as the scene starts where he's in the strip club at the clam club, which I fucking love that name. That's, that was an amazing scene for me. And I actually watched it an hour before the podcast started because my wife did not watch this movie with me. And I wanted to show her like, hey, look, there's something in this movie I actually like. And she was actually thoroughly impressed with Rihanna's ability to actually act through it because I was also judgy because I'm like, she's a singer. Let's see how she can act. Oh, she did great. Congratulations. And then she died. Like, right. Well, and let, let me say too, I, this is, this, I, this is not based in fact or reality, but it is true in my head that Ethan Hawke insisted on naming the clam club. I'm I pretty sure. Believe it. I believe I'm it. pretty sure that that, that could be real. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so I, 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 to I do agree with you on some of There's just so much here. You could have spread this out into two movies in a way. I'm also burnt out on that. I'm kind of happy. It's not, but you do get into that problem. It's like in the nineties, we had the problem where they wanted to shove 20 things. And even in the two thousands, you know, we get the Spider-Man three problem. Like Sam Raimi's like, Hey, Venom doesn't fit into this story. It's a Sandman story. And, uh, and the producers, producers are like, uh, no, he does fit in this because that's why you're making the movie because people want to see it. He right. sells, he the, sells toys. the toys. He put the movie. Um, put him in the movie. That's exactly right. Um, and so, and and uh, and and by the way, what's that guy from that '70s show? That's him. That's the guy. Uh, anyway, <laughs> um, point being is that when the tendency before has been to cram everything into one movie, you can, which means you really sacrifice a lot of character development through interaction. So you have to find other ways to do it, which leads to sometimes really convoluted scenes. Um, I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I think that they didn't need uh, the character development necessarily on those characters. They chose I, to to spend all their time on romance. Like ninety percent of their screen time is romance, which is really small. Work. Still, I don't even think there's fifteen minutes of them actually talking together. Um, Although I did think the line was cute, where she's like, "The honeymoon comes after the wedding." He's like, "Really?" I wasn't sure if he was bullshitting or not, and I wouldn't I, put past me for him to be like, "Oh, it, wait, what is it?" Oh, okay. He seems genuinely disappointed that the <laughs> sex for him would not come until after. Um, so I uh, I have to say, 
I kind of liked that it's that it was contained in one movie and I didn't mind everything, but it does suffer because of some of the stuff. Whereas now in 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 Hollywood world, it is it is so it's like expected now that a big story will be broken into multiple movies. Yes. And I'm tired of it. I'm not tired of the fact that you get the time to tell the story. I'm tired of the fact that I have to wait a year every time I want to see the the end of a story. I'm very or, tired of that. Or watch so the Netflix the series. Well, it's, it's kind of interesting because TV has almost gone the opposite way. It's like right. you you get like this big burst of stuff that they put up and you can like binge watch it in one sitting. And then movies are going more long form right. and you there's like years in between them. Um, and and it and it partially because it's really expensive to film a movie. So like, in very rare cases, they film like all of their planned stuff in one. Like one, they want sure. the chance to say, "Oh, this didn't do well. We're not doing another one." Like you get no more money. And secondly, like you gotta you you have to you have to bring together like all of your actors and stuff for like long periods of time. And they don't usually like leave that much time for like bookings basically they're you know sure. they're they're booking like and, multiple things throughout a year or whatever and then when you get people who are used to making money on a shoot or making movies on a shoestring like ty west who makes a great uh exploitation film uh x and says oh my god i have a great idea wrote a whole other script that's a prequel and filmed it with the same cast at the same time two movies for the price of one but that's a very rare genius move that's a that's a a, a corman with a, a real story and that was not always the case with corman so yeah i and and as, as i complain about this the problem isn't having movie you know multi-part movies or having like self-contained episodes in a show the problem is is not basing the decision to do one or the other on the merit of the story for that form right like uh, uh, Mandy and I are big fans of Dune and I even though we barely scratched the surface of the first Dune novel in the first movie and part of uh, I am very excited to see the second one I'm so excited like because there's so much to do but also I got so much out of that movie I really enjoyed it is it killer to wait yes did I love it absolutely and I will absolutely support the next parts so that is one of those things which by the way I mean Frank Herbert's book is like a tome, like it's a brick. You could build houses with that book. Um, and so like, it makes sense to have it spread over many films. Um, whereas something like say, you know, I, I actually, I, I maybe on the outs, I love the Hobbit trilogy, despite some problems. Um, it did not have to be three books. I mean, three movies. It didn't have to be. Um, you really could have cut it down. Uh, that said, I mean, I'll take what I can get. I enjoyed it, but didn't have to be. Uh, so there's there's times when you should do one or the other and production and money people get in the way sometimes and you do what you have to do. Make so duologies great again. Make duologies. Oh God! Oh, please don't anything <laughs> anything to do with that. Um, I I I'll move on to recommendations. Of course, I recommend Valerian. I think it's a really fun film. Um, everyone from kids and up are going to be entertained by this. There's nothing so sexual over or or bad words or anything that are really going to upset. Uh, anyone if they watch star wars they can certainly watch valerian um it's it's aimed at a wide audience and i think that the amount of action uh and, and colors and things to look at are pretty great maybe they have a little bit of trouble with the first 10 minutes because it's dialogueless um 
I don't know though. There's it's an endless parade of aliens. So I don't know that that's the case. It just watch this movie. If it sounds like you like sci-fi action films, watch this movie. You'll enjoy it. Um, it didn't get the credit deserved because the reviews were not great at start. So it, it didn't do great. Sad, but that's fact. Jeff, would you recommend Valerian? If so, and why? Yeah, I, I love this film. Um, it, it definitely uh, is best to go into it like knowing that it's a Luc Besson film and the romance is going to be terrible. Uh, almost almost kind of like awkward and uncomfortable. Like uh, you, you don't really kind of want to leave the room for that bit. Um, but the, the world is awesome. Um, his ability to tell stories without dialogue or um, really any sort of just, just, you know, pure kinetic video uh, is, uh, is pretty interesting. And uh, it's, it's amazing. He, he did 20, like 20 minutes of it in a row uh, at the beginning of this film uh, for, you know, a big budget film that, you know, normal people are supposed to like. Um, and uh, I think it was the best part of the film. So Agreed. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, check it out. At least watch the first twenty minutes, and then if you you get sick of the romance so badly, just turn it off. Yeah, I'd oh, say dude. watch the first forty-five because at least then you get the uh, the big action market scene, oh, and then you'll probably be hooked. Yeah, the, the market's pretty sweet. Yeah. But it is tough. I mean, let's face it. Like we said, th- there isn't really chemistry between um, the two the the two romantic interests. So watching them struggle through a five-minute conversation at the beginning, it's literally just five minutes, but it is a little hard. Mandy, would you recommend Valerian? If so, why and to who? I would. It's fun. It was pretty to look at. And it's not particularly offensive. Like Nate said, it's just a fun space movie with a lot of aliens. And, uh, you know, they solve a mystery that's not really a mystery. Yeah, it's it's not a mystery. (laughs) Oh, it was the humans that did the bad thing? I'm shocked. Uh, Yeah, so, you know, check it out. I would recommend that you see it on a big of a screen as possible yes don't download this to com- your computer if it's the first time that you've seen it or you know like watching a small screen like i don't know try to if you got a friend with a really big you know wall screen or projector that's really like high res or something like do it that way this is definitely one to go that way with it's a lot of good for stuff sure okay. all right tad would you recommend Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets 2017? If so, why and to who? I am on the fence, and I don't usually say that lightly, largely because I enjoyed half the movie, and I saw a lot of bright spots in it. And honestly, I think I'll recommend it once I recut it. You know what's like, funny? I'm just going to say that this is the part where I dig into tag. I didn't realize so you long. bought the rights the, to the film. The first, the first, I don't have to got, have the rights to recut a film, Jeffrey. The, just like the we don't get the rights to rewrite it. Other people. <laughs> the, this is coming from the guy who I know to have written what hundreds of pages of backstory. Uh, this is this is this is that gentleman. That wait, wait, I'm wait, wait, wait. Right now. I'm waiting to see where you go with this. Hundreds of back, pages of backstory of what? for a novel uh and i that, believe that i'm never letting see the light of day yes absolutely yes. I, I you've written hundreds of your point is is that Ed, you had a hard time with the beginning of the film and yet you had lots of backstory in your past perhaps that's why perhaps Absolutely. it's uh i love if you guys are watching on youtube uh which i swear to god these will get uploaded um tad tad is uh looking above because that's where my square is we're like hollywood squares up in here 
Um, so yeah, and I'm gonna say this just to 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 tease Tad even more. An on the fence from Tad, that is a straight up recommendation. That's Golden Globes material, if not Oscars. Yeah. Like that's that's a big deal. I didn't uh, hate that. He didn't basically it. said this is the best movie he's ever seen. Yeah. It's yep. better than uh, Avatar. All right, is that is that enough of a recommendation? I thought no, no, that's not enough of a recommendation. So it's a Tide commercial. Um, anyway, <laughs> all right, Good thank for you me. guys. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Cult and Classic Podcast for our Luc Besson double feature. Next week we'll be talking about Luc Besson's first film, which interestingly enough is almost completely without dialogue. Oh it's almost like it was intentional i literally did not remember that the first 20 minutes of valerian doesn't have dialogue so uh it was completely unintentional but i think it's very telling so we'll talk about the last battle aka la donnière combat uh sorry my french is awful and uh listen next week and we can't wait to hear from you please rate us all the stars all the highest ratings wherever you get your podcasts um like us subscribe uh go to our colton classic podcast.com page and uh, sign up for the soon to be coming newsletter we have huge things in the works that you're going to love uh, to be a part of and i want to invite you to be a part of it send your recommendations hate mail anything you want to colton classic podcast at gmail.com and to play us out as always is the chud with all about evil Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Colton Classic Podcast. This podcast is important to me, but what's more important are the rights, privileges, and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world. And that means supporting Black Lives Matter. If you'd like to make a donation, please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out. And please stay safe.